What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Cut. Sean, Christian, Randy, here for all of your mediocre fantasy football advice. We have the newly acquainted FF Bald Man on that here today. Is that is Christian's new name. That is all we're going to be referring to him as from henceforth. So Randy, he's no longer Christian. He is Bald Man. I think that's something you could do. Yeah. yeah. I'll I'll accept it. I should have made that our uh, my my name when Jake Seeley was on. Yeah, and Randy and I stay tuned. We're still thinking of our names. It'll be cool. Randy's not, probably not going to have one. He's just going to stay with me. I'm not giving myself a nickname. It's just not happening. I have a lot of things I'm probably known for. None of which we, I should on Twitter. Can we just make him fancy, Matt Patricia? No, I won't do it. Oh, see, like. That's where you have let it come to you, and so that's where you should accept it. Now, that's what I'm I'll saying. Accept it on here. I don't want to put it as a Twitter handle. So then, because then we have to, we would have to take a picture of Randy in a backwards hat and a golf pencil in his ear. Well, I wish that wasn't so frequently available. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what the hell we're talking about anymore. So thanks for listening. Uh, obviously, follow us on everything at the Cut FFL. Um, so we had, uh, Jake Seeley on our podcast for an interview. It was awesome. We'll get to that in the second part of our episode here. But first, before we, before we do that, we want to do another round of ADC, ABC ADP. So, uh, kind of like we did a couple episodes ago during, before our mock, uh, they're going to give you guys three guys in basically the same kind of tier when it comes to consensus rankings, we're going to figure out who you'd rather have. So the first one, we'll start with the running back position. It's Le'Veon Bell, uh, who's being drafted as RB17, James Conner, who's being drafted as RB20, or Jonathan Taylor at RB22. Randy, you go first. Boy, that is a tough one. I'm going to go, for me, this is between uh, Le'Veon Bell and Jonathan Taylor, personally. But I'm going to go Le'Veon Bell only because... It seems like we might not have any preseason games, and I believe Jonathan Taylor will be up to speed, but obviously Marlon Mack is more up to speed, so he might not break out for a few weeks. I'll take Bell as of right now and maybe get Jonathan Taylor from the guy that drafted him. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. Um, I'm not sorry that I cut Christian off there. Um, That's one of the reasons that I think Taylor is going to be a little bit tougher to draft is because if you – if you take him where he's going right now, I mean, you're talking third, fourth round. Um, and he like, you're taking guys like you're taking him over guys like bell or Connor who are going to play right away. And if, if Taylor's not the starter week one, and if, if you have a couple weeks first, like you, if, if you lose games in the beginning of the year, I, I hate fighting an uphill battle to try to make the playoffs. You can't win a league if you're not in the playoffs. So like that's where the risk comes in with Taylor. So me personally, I mean, this is this was a pretty easy one for me because you guys know how high I am on Le'Veon Bell this year. So this is a hundred percent Le'Veon Bell for me. He, I mean, he's being drafted outside of the top fifteen. He finished his RB like I think it's eight, he finished his RB eighteen last year in an absolute fucking dumpster fire of an offense in New York. So like he has the floor of. A top 20 guy but he has the ceiling if you know if Adam Gase hopefully gets fucking fired so we never have to 
utter his name again, and they bring in an actual competent head coach and a competent play caller, like he could be a top 10 guy where maybe Taylor's the same way, but not this year. I don't think in the future he can be, but James Conner, I don't know if he had James Conner has that upside either. So like for me, Bell's the clear choice. And you mentioned that he was in a, a dumpster fire of an offense and that's not changing, man. I, I don't think that is once Adam Gase gets fired, that's true. But they I, did for, for the, before you go any further, they did work to improve their offensive line. He had a terrible offensive line in 2019. He did. Like they they first round draft pick. They went out and signed a center. Like they did work to improve that. And um, they added Denzel Mims who can take some of the pressure off. Hopefully. I mean, you guys love to talk about Chris Herndon. Hopefully like that's another weapon in their offense. Um, don't put that on Randy. That's that's all me. Uh, their offense, I think, on paper looks better. Plus, like I said, they worked on their offensive line. It's it's a good point. Um, so with this, I, I was just when we were talking before, I was saying how high I ended up on Bell, but I think you also have to factor in that they signed Frank Gore for a reason. And no, don't get me. No. I, dude, I, look at when Frank Gore was with Adam Gase in Miami a couple years ago. I mean, it's it's tough to see Lev's touchdown upside really increase, had, if anything. Three. Yeah. But you don't, they're in a, don't think he, you don't think he has more than three this year? I gave him four. <laughs> I gave him four. And, and I gave Frank Gore four. I just don't think they're a great offense as much as I believe in Darnold as much as I believe in Denzel Mims and as much as I want to believe in Chris Herndon, I just can't see them being anything with Adam Gase calling plays for that reason. I'm going to take, uh, so th- I guess that means I'm split on Connor and Taylor here and I would just take Taylor and draft Ronald Jones later and start him because he's going to be a God. So, um, I'll start for the, wrote, what for the record too, but like, <laughs> Um, Bell finishes RB 16 last year and he had a 3.2 yards per carry, three touchdowns and 789 yards. That's what yeah. he had on the ground. He's but that was with have better stats. That was with Chris Herndon out where, so Lev and Randy loves to talk about it. Um, how Lev and how Chris Herndon. No, I, I'm shitting on myself mostly. Um, Lev it's is going to get, what else is <laughs> Lev's going to get targets in the same area of the field that Herndon does. And so with Herndon back healthy, I mean, yes, Lev's still going to get some work, but I think his receptions come down. I think maybe his yards go up because he is running behind a more athletic offensive line. So if he's getting dump downs and they get out in space, then maybe they can create some more yards for him. But man, that's tough. Um, I guess I would just take, I, I would probably still take Lev Bell, but there are so many arguments to not take him. Um, and if that's the case, I'd take Jonathan Taylor over James Conner. For the record, Bell, uh, last thing I'll say, um, Bell finished with uh, 78 targets last year. I mean, Ryan Griffin still had 41. I mean, I don't know how many more like Chris, Herndon, Chris Herndon's going to have this year, but 41 targets to Ryan Griffin, that's, that's still a decent amount for a tight end. So you would have to think, if, if I mean, if Herndon's going to cut into that, you would have to think it's going to cut into obviously Griffin's targets. So I, I could see a, I mean, I could see a scenario where Bell still finishes with sixty to sixty-five. Yeah, I mean, receptions or targets. 
targets. Well, he had 65 catches last year, and that's where, I mean, yes, I get it, but I mean, if we think that his rushing is going to be that much more efficient, then that's where I could see the argument. Okay. Yeah, sure. But again, of these three guys, the reason I I would pick him over Taylor is because who knows what Taylor's going to be, especially with no preseason. I mean, Taylor might not have the job until week six. I don't want to wait five weeks for my second running back to to become the second become the running back on his team. And I mean, obviously you have the question mark of what James Conner can do if is he healthy? Is he not? Like I think there's more question marks surrounding the other two guys than there is for Bell. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Randy, you pick Taylor, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. All right, let's no, move I on. Picked Bell. No, I no picked you picked Bell. Bell. Did you, okay. Confusing guy. What are you doing? <laughs> What the hell? Right. How'd you trick um, me like that? <laughs> See, you don't even remember. Man, it's been a long time. I'm glad you All didn't right. have candy when I was a kid. Good lord, that was bad. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. Uh, <laughs> Jesus so next one. Devontae Parker, wide receiver 27. Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 28. Or Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 30. I'll go first uh, because I just talked a fuck ton of them. I just want to get it all all in one chunk and then let you guys talk. Terry McLaurin. pretty interrupt us again for five minutes? Yeah, definitely, 100%. Uh, Terry McLaurin, pretty easy here uh, just because Jarvis Landry obviously is being undervalued significantly. He's going to finish as a top 24 receiver. Uh, I'd say that's low end, but there are a lot of targets uh, or not a lot of targets to go to Jarvis because they have so many weapons in Cleveland. Um, but Jarvis is the favorite, so you can make an argument for him. Devontae Parker, uh, if you look at his splits when Preston Williams was on the field, they're not great, Bob. Um, so that's a guy I'm trying to stay away from at that ADP. Uh, personally, I think Parker's floor is probably like wide receiver 36-ish. So. I, I don't know. I feel like wide receiver 24 to 27 is his ceiling. With Terry McLaurin, though, he broke out with shitty quarterback play all across the board. And if I'm in on Dwayne Haskins as much as I am, um, I think that McLaurin will just eviscerate this ADP um, and just become an extreme value. I think he's a top 15 to 18 receiver. Yeah, because... Uh, Devontae Parker's quarterback play was so far and away better than what Dwayne Haskins did. It was. And that's saying something because it wasn't good. But that was also my argument against Devontae was the Preston Williams presence. When Preston Williams went down is when Parker stepped up. He was averaging less, I believe, less than 11 fantasy points per game um, when Preston was on the field because Preston had eight to 10 fantasy points per game. And that was with drops and, and issues. If Preston takes a leap, Parker's going to be the wide receiver two on his own team. That's a hot take. I don't care. I definitely don't agree with that. I get where you're going, but I don't agree with that at all. And especially if Tua becomes the quarterback, then I think it's going to help Parker more than having Fitzpatrick. But um, Randy, well, that's about right. Part for the course. Randy, uh, why don't you go? Wow. Okay. Uh, uh, for me, I'm going to pick Jarvis here uh, just because he is being underdrafted, as he always is. 
Uh, he led the league in a lot of the categories. Not led, but he was top 10 in a lot of categories. And I do love Terry McLaurin, but it is a pretty much, let's just be real, bad offense on a bad team. Uh, there were a lot of weeks where he only got two or three catches. Uh, he did sometimes make the most of it, but still, there was a lot of weeks where he had three catches and a touchdown, and it, he had a decent week. I don't expect a ton of touchdowns coming from the Redskins, so I'm going to pick the better offense here. Uh, I think he probably has the same kind of split as Parker does, but he's more of a he's more of a target monster in the split I've seen. But it wasn't a healthy Odell. That, so everyone here has questions, so I'll take the guy that's kind of been perennially the guy. I don't think McLaurin has top 15 upside. Well, and not this, the, year, not this year. The only other issue with Landry is something I didn't really think about until just recently. With Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt's offense, like I think it's possible that Landry moves back outside versus being in the slot. And and Landry was is such a monster in the slot. I don't know if he's as good being outside, especially like if the Browns want to use Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb a lot at the same time. And if they want to run uh, Kareem Hunt as a slot receiver too, like I don't know if Landry is going to be nearly as good as he has been if he has to play outside again. Well, so, and Jarvis I, likes, he likes playing outside. Sorry, Randy, but he's not good at it. <laughs> right. I, I, for fantasy, at least, he's not as good if, if he's outside. I, I would agree with you there. Like for me, this one, this one's tough because there's just obviously huge question marks. Um, so I guess to just kind of stay true to it, I'm going to stay with, I'll pick Devontae Parker um, of these three guys just because. Personally, I think if Tua does play, I think Tua is an upgrade over Fitzpatrick. And if that does happen at some point, I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking any of these guys as more than a back end wide receiver two to begin with. Um, Like, I I don't expect anything else out of these. I don't think any of these guys finished top fifteen, like Randy said. But I'm, I maybe it's just I, I'm going to take the shot on Parker and at least hope that even if Preston Williams does come back, that Preston Williams is more of the deep guy and that Parker scores more touchdowns. Maybe that's the reason that I would take that. So I just counted it up. So Devontae Parker had 52 targets in the games that Preston Williams played, and Preston Williams had 60. So that's kind of where I got my Parker's the second oh, option. No, I, I, I get that, but I mean, you're that's a very small sample size again, too. What was it, six games? Nine, eight. Eight games, nine weeks. I mean, I don't know. Because, I mean, I, Parker, like, we've been waiting for a while for him to become the player that he was drafted to be, and, and he kind of did that. I, I understand it was out Preston Williams, but the problem is, like I said, it's, I mean, we've all said it. These three players especially have huge question marks. McLaurin, yeah. is he going to continue? Is he going to get double teamed? He's, like, the only guy in that offense now to catch passes. Um other than Steven Sims, because with no Calvin Harmon, uh, who knows what Gandy Golden gives him. And Antonio uh, Gibson, your boy. Why? Why do you do that? Like, why do you have to do that? Like, because he's going to be the wide receiver, too. I was, I was Can we move around. on to the quarterbacks, dude? It's your fault. You fucking said it. But that's why, again, there's question marks around all three of these guys. I'm going to stick. I'll, I'll go with the guy who finished the best last year in Parker. Um, okay. So. What, Randy? What was that look for? He did, just barely over Jarvis. Yeah. yeah. I looked it up before I said it. I knew where I was coming <laughs> from. 
Yeah. All right. Quarterbacks. Daniel Jones, quarterback 15. Ryan Tannehill, quarterback 17. Or Jared Goff, quarterback 18. Who wants to start with this? Uh, I think it's your turn to start. It is. <sighs> Shit. Can I pick none? Is, is, is that an answer? Uh, no. No, no. I'd like to phone a friend. <laughs> I guess with this one, I just think about the... I would have to pick the guy with the best weapons around him because these guys are all kind of gross and they all like have huge stopping points. Um, I mean, Tannehill, I, I talked about him on our regression episode a while back that I don't think he can keep up with what he did. Um, it just historically, it's never happened. Um, I mean, Jared Goff was just a absolute fucking train wreck last year. And um, Daniel Jones, we all know how I feel about Daniel Jones. So I'm probably going to lean Jared Goff. I don't know. It's, it's a crapshoot with all three of these. But I, I, I think that last year was more, an, more of an anomaly for Jared Goff than two years ago was. And, I mean, Goff still has the weapons of Woods, Cup, Higby, Everett, Josh Reynolds, if, if Reynolds slots in there, plus adding Cam Akers. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would I would probably lean golf here if I had to take one of these three. Tannehill is slightly behind him. It's just I see a ton of regression coming for Tannehill. Plus, if they're a decent team, they're going to feed Derrick Henry a ton, and that's going to take away from obviously Tannehill's ceiling. Yeah, um, and I was actually in a a Twitter conversation today about AJ Brown's upside. And I said that I think the Titans are going to have to pass more because teams know what they have to stop. And I know it's difficult to stop Derrick Henry, but I think they're going to have to pass more. Jared Goff finished his quarterback 13 last year, despite the train wreck mm-hmm. of a season that he pr- was perceived to have had. But I'm going Daniel Jones. <laughs> um, Gross. It, isn't it? Like, I don't want it. I don't, I don't want that to be my decision. Uh, but Daniel Jones has one thing over both of these guys. I think Ryan Tannehill might have a little bit of it, but it's rushing upside. That too. I mean, he he's Daniel Jones is like a knockoff Jameis. And so if I think that Daniel Jones has weapons around I him. I wonder where you've heard that before, Christian. I don't know. Have I heard it before? You're about to hear it in about 10 seconds. Here. Yeah. Did Wait, did yeah, he say that? Yeah, he yeah. said that. Oh, that's pretty wild. I think I've heard it before, though, because I've, I've, someone else compared, made that comparison on Twitter. But anyway, Daniel Jones, he does have a little bit of rushing upside. Ryan Tannehill also does. Uh, Jared Goff has better weapons. Overall, I'm just going to take a shot on Daniel Jones being a little more careful with the football because I think that would have vaulted him pretty high last year. Wow. Randy, you get to pick one of these guys now. I do. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to pick Tannehill. Uh, for, oh. Honestly, it's pretty obvious to me. Uh, I think he finished 29 fewer points than Goff last year with, what, six less games? Uh, yeah. He finished with two less rushes than Daniel Jones with six less games. Uh, <laughs> you said he's going to have to pass more. I agree. I don't think he has I don't think he's going to continue like all the incredible stats he was kind of like the the percentages he was going with but I don't think he has to to finish higher than these two uh the Rams when they've been successful have been a pass heavy or a run heavy team and I think they're trying to get back to that even though their O-line's trash Daniel Jones 
has a healthy Saquon all year, hopefully. So he shouldn't be running as much as he was. They should be running the ball more in general just with Saquon. So for that reason, I'm going to take Tannehill. I think he finishes higher. He's the only one of these that I think actually has QB1 upside. Fair. I, I I mean, I can see it. But I mean, and the but the thing about golf is like other, I mean, like Christian said, he finishes QB13. In 2018-2017, he was a QB1. He came in at 12 in 2017 and 7 in 2018. So, I mean, he, I would argue that he does have the QB1 upside, but I get where you would come from with Tannehill. I, mean, I agree. I'm just saying he has more. Yeah. I mean, it's just once he played 100% of the snaps, so he didn't even do that till week seven. And he, so we're, we're talking full six weeks, basically, that he had behind these guys. He finished above Daniel Jones. Right. And finished and, barely behind Goff. Oh, right. And and like I said, one of the reasons the reason I didn't go Tannehill is because I'm big into his numbers regressing. Like and, yeah. and I like I I dove into it. But I, I can I totally understand Tannehill. Let, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Christian's an idiot for picking Daniel Jones. I'm just kidding. All for real. So are the Giants. Uh what's uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on. Uh so tight end. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? Um, so tight end. Evan Ingram, tight end six. Hunter Henry, tight end seven. Or Rob Gronkowski, tight end eight. Dude. <laughs> Just straight These up. are hard. These are much Dude. harder than last time. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking Gronk out because I won't touch him with a 10-foot pull if he's being drafted in the top 10. Um, <laughs> but... That's all I'm going to say for now. Someone else go. I'll go, Randy. I'll, <laughs> okay. I will take Evan Ingram. While it's tough, while you have the injuries as a concern, of these three guys, I just think he has much more upside than the other two. And when he's healthy, he has been really, really, really good. Hunter Henry, you don't know who the quarterback is going to be there for the entire season. It could Tyrod be Tyrod Hill. It could be Justin Herbert for seven. It could be Tyrod the entire year. But if it is Tyrod for the entire year, he's known to have less passing volume than other guys would. Whereas Justin Herbert, who knows what he would give, especially if the NFL does go to no preseason, which it sounds like they're going to. Rob Gronkowski, the dude was in the WWE three months ago. Like, what does he have left in the tank? Like, I don't want to draft him as a top 10 tight end. So I like Evan Ingram. While the injury history is there, of these three guys, he has much more upside than either of the other two, where he could finish in the top four tight ends because he's a monster when he's healthy. So I will take Evan Ingram. I'm going to go Hunter Henry uh, just because I think it's the right call. Uh, no, I mean, Hunter Henry only only played in uh, 12 games last year, uh, which is obviously better than the year before. Uh, and he still was tight at nine. So saying that. Ingram has the more upside, I think, isn't necessarily a good idea just because we have a guy that missed out in four games that's still a top 10 tight end. So I will take the guy that, even if he misses two or three games, is still going to be a top 10 guy, where Ingram might be. We don't know. We, I mean, <laughs> we, barely, rookie, we barely got to, we barely got to see year, him. Ingram's rookie year where everybody hates trusting rookie tight ends, he was tight end five. I, I what has he done that. since then, though? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's played in 19 total games, but he was still tight end 13 when he only played 11 games in 2018. Yeah, I'm it's almost. It's like it's it's close. I'm more saying 
we have a guy that played a little bit more games last year. Oh, uh, it's, a, it's an offense with Tyrod who doesn't throw explosive balls. So I, I see Henry getting a lot of targets. Obviously, Eckler and Allen, too. So the transition, uh, if it happens, doesn't scare you? No, necessarily. I and that's actually that's something, a safety valve. Yep, and that's that's what convinced me. I'm going Hunter Henry too, because number one, I think the footballers brought it up on last Saturday's episode when they did a mock draft. Um, Tyra Taylor made Charles Clay relevant. Number yep. one, so that means that Hunter Henry is for sure going to be relevant. But then when Herbert does come in at some point, that's his safety valve. And by God, does Justin Herbert need a safety valve? Um, he's just going to throw to Mike Williams. Maybe I will not take your Justin Herbert hatred on this podcast. It's not hatred. I do yes, like him. No, you don't. It's hatred. He, he's just not ready yet. He shouldn't play until week 12. But anyway, you let's also not think talk. Love is better than him. I do, 100%. No question. Hunter Henry, either way. It, Hunter Henry is going to be productive. The question with both Engram and Henry is who stays on the field. I would bet on Henry based on the nature of the injuries, and that's something that Jake Seeley talked about for sure. Um, is I, that what I was going to say? I would also say that we've seen Hunter Henry have a real shot of showing what he can do with Eckler and Allen and Mike Williams already, whereas Ingram. I haven't really fully seen him out there with Golden Tate, with Shepard, with uh, Saquon every single week. I, I I really still believe that that those numbers come down more and more as all those guys, if they could stay healthy, that is, the entire team can't stay healthy, and Daniel Jones can't hold on the ball. So, yeah, fine. I'll take <laughs> I'll take Evan Ingram and laugh my way to the bank. If if Ingram yeah, was being drafted, <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll be laughing at the tight end you're looking at week to week. You're going to be oh, picking up Gronk. Wow, um, that was such a good one, Christian. Good I job. know, I'm funny as fuck. Um, Evan Ingram, and we talked about it later in this episode, I think, but if you drop him down three or four spots, I'll take him all day. Yeah, and I'm not sure I fully am aboard taking Hunter Henry here at seven either. I, I think I'm waiting for the next tier of guys. In all yeah. honesty, but Absolutely. I mean, they're they're being drafted where they should finish. I I guess. Uh, I'm not gonna say Gronk for sure, but it's just because we haven't seen him play with this, this newer body. Randy Evan Ingram would finish, you know, higher than Hunter Henry. I mean, I'm saying between six and ten is where they should finish. Yeah, you didn't clarify. No, I get it. And I, I, and again, I, I prefaced my thought process with I understand the risk that Hunter, that Evan Ingram brings to the team. I'm more worried. I guess I'm just more worried about the quarterback situation than you guys are. Plus, Christian knows how I feel about Tyrod Taylor as a quarterback. Anyway, it's bias. Wow, from, from the Browns days. No, it's not. It's biased. Is, the fact that he's now on his third team in four seasons. It's really weird to hear Christian call it biased and other things. Oh, uh, right, right, yeah. Pot, meat, kettle. All I right. don't understand. <laughs> let's what you guys are even referencing. Let's take a break. When we get the back, we're going to do our daily interview. So, Jake, again, thanks for being on. We're very excited to have you. I mean, you write for the Athletic. I know that you uh, you finished in the top ten last year with your accuracy rankings, 
you're the guy for fancy baseball. Um, I, I, I've, I saw some stuff about that too, which is awesome. And there's obviously the fancy baseball is coming, but uh, the first thing I, I kind of want to ask you before we get into the football stuff, just how did you, uh, how'd you get your start with all this stuff? Yeah, it's actually started in the back of the day of blogs and forums. If you remember forums back in the day, oh, yeah. <laughs> dialing up with the AOL and the Netscape. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a giants forum, New York giants forum back in the day and was on there enough because it's just stuff I've always done. Like I've done fancy stuff during work, like during my free time. Uh, but you know, did it during lunch and stuff like that. And so you kind of develop a relationship and then we started talking fantasy and I started just doling out free advice. Like I just jumped in the conversation. It wasn't like anybody was asking me. I just felt like giving my two cents, like when I can give my two cents, like I always do. Uh, so we d- I did that for a while. And then like halfway through one of the seasons, one of the guys was like, why aren't you doing this? Like, you know, you're obviously good at it and you obviously know what you're talking about. Why aren't you doing it? I was like, uh, okay. So I started my own blog on Blogspot, and I was actually like halfway through one of the seasons when it first started. I did a blog for about two years, sent it out to anybody and everybody who had listened, including people I shouldn't have sent it out to, like to like Max Max Kellerman and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, and then Casey Joyner and who was the other person? It was Casey? Oh, Tristan Cockroft, because I had okay. actually become kind of like friends with him. Uh, they both recommended me to Scott Angle, who brought me on, and then it just went from there. And then Nanda DeFino, who I work with, was the person I came over to The Athletic with. But I actually started out writing NBA in college football, which uh, I didn't I didn't enjoy NBA, but it was the first thing I could do to get in the door. <laughs> nice. Um, and it looks like, judging from the hat, you're, look, you appear to be a big Notre Dame fan, huh? <laughs> um, the funny thing is, is I'm from North Jersey. That's where the Giants comes from. Giants, uh, Mets, although both those teams are on my current ban list until they get rid of Gettleman and the Wilpons. Uh, <laughs> I am the Rangers in hockey, but I didn't watch college football, college basketball, or the NBA until I moved to Virginia at eight years old. And my cousin was a fan of those teams. He was actually a fan of the Bulls and the Lakers, if that makes any sense, which it doesn't. <laughs> but I became a UNC Chicago Bulls and Notre Dame fan at eight years old, and I have been ever since. So, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense from being from New Jersey, but I stuck with them even down the. Yeah, I'm still a Bulls fan, despite how terrible they are right now. No, hell, I'm, I mean, we live, I live in Cleveland, and I'm a huge, my family, we're huge North Carolina basketball fans too. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Christian is as well. I've been, I've been to the Smith Center more times than I can count now. So I, I totally, I totally feel that, man. <laughs> I still, I still, I've been to NC State. I've been to uh, a couple different ones, but I actually, I still have yet to be to the Smith Center. And I, it's a good thing I didn't go last year. That was a miserable year too. Oh so yeah, I was at the, I was at the Clemson game that they lost, that they blew the lead and lost in overtime. I was, I was the first there. time ever. Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. That was, uh, that was quite the, quite the, quite the uh, vacation for my dad and I, but. Um, you know, everybody that's, listening that's, right now is like, "What the hell am I listening to this podcast for?" Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, well, last thing I'll say: if you can get down to the Smith Center, definitely go. It, it's the coolest experience that I've had sports wise. But Stop all right, charging so much for a damn ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I agree, it's, especially for a college college team. I, it's it's rough. But all right, I guess uh, that's enough for the miscellaneous uh, sports talk. Go heels. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, the first thing I kind of want to ask you is it's news that we didn't have originally, but uh, it came out today. So it was reported that the NFL and the NFLPA agreed on the COVID-19 testing protocols for training camp in the 2020 season. Obviously, that's a step in the right direction. And the three of us have continuously been optimistic, myself probably the most, that the season's going to start on time. 
Do you kind of agree with that sentiment, especially with what they were able to figure out today? Yeah, I would say so. I say unless the only way at this point, I don't think it starts on time is if something goes wrong with the NBA, NHL and MLB. And I say and as in like all three of them, mm-hmm. like the NBA just had zero tests come back, which is a really good sign, though they're using the bubble. I mean, they're very super aggressive. I don't think the NFL is going to get quite to the bubble level. And I actually think the NBA is the only kind of teams or teams, I should say, uh, league that can do it because they're smaller rosters. Mm-hmm. But in any case, it's still a good sign. And there's only very few in hockey. There's very few in baseball. Uh, so as long as these sports start, and I would even say two out of three of them, if they, they're rolling and they don't have to shut down again, I would say the NFL is going to be fine. And, you know, the news about that today, they also said that the NFL has come to the NFLPA and said we will do no preseason games. Obviously, that's not official yet. But, I mean, I think it's the sign is, is everybody is trying to make the effort. Everything should start on time, which is all we really, really want and hope yeah. for. I will say, though, mm-hmm. the zero preseason games does give me a little bit of pause with the rookies this year, more so than yeah. that. And I, everybody knows me. I, I love rookies. Yeah. And that's what and that's what I was I was actually going to follow up with that too. So I'm glad you brought it up. Um, are, are rookies the only thing you're a little bit worried about? Like, uh, let me put it this way: we had we've had a guest on the podcast before talking about how excited he is for Joe Burrow to step in and maybe finish as a back end QB one. A guy like that who's going to go basically from playing his first college game to his first NFL game without any in between. Like, are you worried? Like, how how worried are you about the rookies for fantasy in 2020? Uh, for people that are going to step in like Joe Burrow, I'm not that worried about Joe Burrow uh, because it's his job. Uh, the ones I'm worried about is like everybody knows. It's one of the ones I got the most pushback on is I think Edwards Hilaire is an RB1. I said from time and again, as soon as I put him as an RB1, I said if there is no training camp, is there, there is no preseason. It is Andy Reid's playbook as well. And I don't need him to get 20 touches a game, but... I do need him to get a 14, 15, 16 a game, which is back in, you know, like even Jamal Charles, that's usually some of his best games. It wasn't a lot of times he got 20 plus carries. But a Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the rookie running backs, uh, rookie wide receivers, obviously, rookie wide receivers are always a, a little step behind to begin with. But I'll say it even goes to some free agents. And I know that Robbie Anderson's not high up anybody's list and Brashard Perriman's not high up anybody. But you got to remember free agent wide receivers switching teams often don't perform as well as the year before, let alone switching teams and not having much time to work together. I think you ding them a little bit. And same with the rookies. I'm dinging a little bit. I'm not going to dramatically drop them down my rankings, but it is something you do have to factor in. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know that, uh, at least with us, I know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, um, CeeDee Lamb, and Jerry Judy are the big four for us. But um, obviously... Uh, Judy, Judy, and Lamb are kind of in tougher situations, especially with Lamb being maybe the well, third wide receiver, and then Judy and Cortland Sutton. But um, I know Taylor, as Taylor especially, is a guy that we're expecting to have a big season. But if it's Marlon Mack for the first couple of weeks, obviously in redraft, that kind of goes down a little bit. So that that definitely makes sense. Yeah, I'd say with Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, DeAndre Swift even, although I think that they're clearly not happy with on Johnson, but you have mm-hmm. the Patricia factor plus the rookie situation. I think all these guys are looking at, well, basically those three. I think you're kind of looking at even maybe K-Makers. Uh, it's just like a Miles Sanders from last year is let somebody else draft them and let them get frustrated and then go trade for them in week six, seven. Yeah. But, right. you know, you got you to gotta know your league mates too. Like there's a lot of people that like if you draft... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the third or fourth round, I say the owners, and somebody in your league does, 
it's very unlikely that they're going to be willing to sell too low in week five or six anyway. They're probably doing that knowing what the upside is after. So you got to know your league mates, whether or not you can buy like we did with Miles Sanders last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's move on here. Uh, so we did kind of guys that we're kind of staking our claims in for this season. Uh, we started with quarterbacks, and on our last episode, Cam Newton is actually one of my A1 quarterbacks, um, guys that are guys that we're kind of betting on to win leagues. So uh, you have him at quarterback 12 right now. Come late August, how high do you think his ADP gets to? And is there an ADP level that you think is maybe too high when you're thinking about putting him on your team? I'd say if he starts reaching top 10, I think that now you're starting to buy all the risk and the fact that he has to play 15 games, 14 games, maybe uh, worst case scenario for you would be that he misses the games at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say low end QB one. I'm fine with, uh, I don't think he actually will get that high just because of the quarterback position and what it is. And you have a lot of people getting excited about some of the younger guys, even like Daniel Jones, because he runs, he's basically what I kept calling him was a poor man, Jameis Winston. He's very mm-hmm. similar to Jameis Winston. And I think a lot of people are thinking he could be like, Josh Allen this year, uh, more passing than rushing, but kind of that breakout gets into the top 10. So I don't think he'll ever get in the QB one grouping uh, just because people are so scared about his health. But I think that his price right on that edge is a fair price. And look, I mean, we know what Cam Newton can do. Cam Newton can finish as a number one quarterback. I don't know if he can do it with that roster, but if you look at some of the passing weapons he had with the Panthers for years on end, including two, six, five freaking stone walking to a statues, whatever you want to call them, with just actually statue-like hands. I mean, the fact that it, like, we just want them to run for five, six hundred yards and six or seven touchdowns. That's really right. what you want, anyway. Yeah, right. And Randy is the uh, the Patriots fan on the on the podcast here. And let me before we move on, I I had a hot take here on our last episode. In your opinion, who wins more games, the twenty twenty Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the twenty twenty New England Patriots? You know, if you look at what they won last year. You could drop two wins. You could drop three wins from the Patriots and flip the opposite for the Buccaneers, and you still take the Patriots. So I'm still taking the Patriots. That's right. Okay. That I, thank you. Thank you very much. Proving my point. But the last thing I'll say is that last – I'm not one for big hype videos, but that last video that Cam posted saying that he's never seen this Cam before, I got excited. I, I got pumped. <laughs> that is awesome. Nobody's seen this Cam before because he's not – he's like whatever this version of Cam is. Right, exactly. And it's it's hilarious. But all right. Let's, Lord. Let before, before I can go all day. But Randy, why don't you go ahead and ask Jake our next question. All right, yeah. Uh, recently on your podcast, you spoke on why Sammy Watkins is being very overdrafted right now. His ADP is in like the 40s. I think we the last time we did this, he was uh, why does he were 51 right now in PPR. With that being said, are you expecting a huge year from Nicole? I mean, I was kind of along that same – mindset so i kind of wanted to get your grasp on that picture it's not even so much about hardman is is the fact that with sammy watkins what he falls into is it's what i always say every single it used to be the greg jennings rule back when greg jennings was playing and that's what i called it because as i i always used to say when are you putting greg jennings in your lineup when are you putting the guy that gets six points every single week and that's all he ever does? When are you putting that guy in your lineup? At that point of the draft, yes, I would rather have Hardman. I actually don't think Hardman is going to have a great season because if you look at it, the, the number of games, I think Evan Silva was the one that tweeted it out, that it was the games where uh, Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins were both on the field. There was only 13 targets going Hardman's way. Now, obviously, he can do a lot with those targets, similar to like an A.J. Brown, but like more big playability and all that type of stuff. But he can do a lot with a little. But at the same time, it's just the volume is just not going to be there, in my opinion. But if you're talking between the two of them, 
I'm going to take the guy who could potentially break out and surprise us. Like, it wouldn't be a shock to me if he came out and was a wide receiver three at this point of career. Watkins being a wide receiver three would be a shock. He's going to mm-hmm. go out there, have one or two good games, and then he's going to put up five points the rest of the season. And that's my problem is those type of players that are just going to sit on your bench. If you're t- if you're telling yourself when you're drafting, oh, well, I can use them during a bye week. Don't even draft the guy. That, yeah. Don't. You want somebody that could potentially break out and be a top 20 surprise. Don't waste your time with these fill-ins that you're going to find on the waiver wire anyway. No, it's like playing roulette and betting on the actual number instead of actually in, instead of betting on like the the thirds or red or black. It's with with him for with him especially. And I know Christian has always hated Sammy Watkins to an extent that like if any team he had him on last year, he was like fire sailing to try to get him off just because he couldn't deal with it. Yeah, it was it was tough. I I don't know why I put Sammy Watkins on my dynasty team. Let alone, <laughs> but like it, it's one thing with a redraft because maybe you can use him a week here or there. But putting him on my dynasty team was probably the worst worst <laughs> possible idea I could have had. So I ended up flipping him into Mitch Trubisky though. So I, so, I don't know. Well, it's a win win for same, both sides. Same, same. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's all the same. I didn't feel great about that trade, but <laughs> anything to get Sammy off. <laughs> All right, Christian, uh, go ahead. Yeah, so um, Jake, your most recent article, well, at the time we wrote these questions, it was your most recent <laughs> article, but it, it highlighted your issue with tight end premium leagues. Um, and you kind of cited that it only truly widens the gap between the high end and the low end tight ends. Are With that being said, are you an advocate of eliminating tight ends from starting lineups entirely and adding an additional flex spot? Are you more, it is what it is? when you're valuing tight ends, what do you think is a solution to the shit show that is tight end? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if everybody out there wants the actual titles, I'm sick of tight end premium scoring. And here's why. <laughs> yeah. uh, like I just, because it goes back to the days, like I'm not a PPR fan either. I, I just, I don't like artificially inflating numbers to try and do things. And back in the day for people that might not have been playing at the time or don't remember PPR was started because running backs dominated the first two rounds. They're like, Oh, we got to do something to even this out. And now it swung back in the other direction. And now it's become ridiculous. And it was always kind of ridiculous to be, to begin with. I mean, for the fact that like, just take PPR, you can have a five yard blown up screen in the backfield and it's still positive five points. Well, if it's a tight end, now it's a positive one point. Like the logic just right there. So I don't think we should get rid of tight end. And if you look at anything, the biggest thing that I'm talking about here is the first part of your question is that it not only increases the gap of the elite tight ends, and those are like the top one, two or three every single year, but it also does boost down to around the seventh or eighth tight end. So like the top seven or eight tight ends always have a bigger gap by giving it than really boosting the entire position. So I say that because the top seven or eight, the position is fine. Now you, now it's kind of like, hey, you know what? Do you want to go get your top seven or eight? Or do you want to play, go back to the Russian roulette situation? Do you want to do that and hopefully get yourself a Waller or an Andrews? Or maybe you completely miss out and you get somebody who busted like TJ Hawkinson, who like, you know, went off for the one week and then disappeared. So you do you want to play that game? Or the, the value is already there built into drafts. If people want to take Travis Kelsey or George Kittle in the second round, the value is there if you want to do it. It just they better play their entire 16 games. So it doesn't need that scoring. If anything, if you want to ma- like make more value to the tight end position to co-part like your second question is keep the tight end position and then add a second flex. So have a flex, then add a second flex that's wide receiver tight end only. You can't r- include running backs. And now mm-hmm. that does two things is it like makes people think about tight ends, but also it doesn't kill you for the bye weeks of forcing like a two tight end league where 
we, like the six-team bye weeks, you're not picking out and hopefully getting the guy who catches one catch or five yards and a touchdown that ends up like tight end for 15 for the week. <laughs> right. And we've seen that. Uh, I, I We're kind of on the same route in a lot of tight ends. We've seen that come a lot and more times than we would probably like to count, especially in the leagues that we all play together. Like it, it starts to get gross. And I'm lucky to have George Kittle or Travis Kelsey in a decent amount of my dynasty league. So I don't have to worry about that, but obviously a lot of other people do. Um, so Jake, really quick, sorry, Sean, you're good. Follow up question. Would you prefer to spend up on one of those top three guys then when you're no. drafting or do you still wait and look for those values? I, look, I actually, I go to that third tier, so I don't usually go for that first one. I, I will sometimes think about it if Kelsey or Kittle makes it to the third round, but that's only like high level leagues. And I don't want to say high, like I'm not trying to disparage people, but like mm-hmm. there's the only type of people out there, like same thing as waiting on quarterbacks. Like we can say that all day long, but your average home league is not going to wait on quarterback. Your average home league is not going to let them fall to the third round. And that's why I say that. Uh, so I'm staying away from that second tier and not just because of last year, but yet last year is the perfect examples. Last year's second tier was Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram and OJ Howard. That tier blew up in our faces. Yeah. It was that next tier. And then, you know, Waller and Andrews weren't even on that tier at the time of drafting. It's that next tier where the best value is because you're taking those guys in the seventh, eighth round range. So you've already built in the fact that you're not buying all the risk and you're buying a lot of upside where those guys can finish with fifth round value. And that's usually like where I like to sit. Like this year so far, he's still not into the top eight. I think he'll get there by the middle of August as Hayden Hurst right now at 10. Like he's a great one. Uh, I don't know why everybody hates Tyler Higby all the t- all of a sudden, and now Evan Ingram because he can't stay healthy. He's actually fallen into that range. So that's usually where I like to play at the tight end spot. No, that yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit. So the hot topic that we've seen in the fancy Twitter community uh, within the last couple of weeks is the expectation for Darius Geis, and like, nobody knows where to go. Um, so you have him right now as a mid tier RB three. Now. I guess in general, how do you kind of evaluate injury risk? Because obviously Geis comes with a lot of that. And and what do you think Geis' ceiling is for this season? Yeah, I've been a Geis fan since he came out of college. And we'll start there and say the fact that when he came out of college, I said similar to the running back before him that he replaced at LSU, he's a better pass catcher than people think because LSU at that time didn't throw to the running back very much. <laughs> and I say that because... I bring a Geis is a better route runner than Fournette. Fournette's a dump off pass catching running back. Fournette is not likely to see 100 targets, not likely to see 60 receptions, 70 receptions ever again, uh, just because he was a dump off guy and they got Chris Thompson. I bring up guys, and no, Geis isn't an Austin Eckler, but he's better mm-hmm. than Fournette. And I think that he's just as good as a runner. Actually, there's a list, some of the advanced metrics if anybody wants to dig. Actually, I have the article on the site for why I think that he could be a breakout running back, and I included a lot of them. He actually, in his brief time, outperformed Leonard Fournette and actually outperformed Leonard Fournette at LSU. So I like him. And that's, I bring up the talent because if he could just get on the field, <laughs> just stay on the <laughs> right. field. And of course the question is, is he a hundred percent of what he used to be? But like Leonard Fournette, both injured their first two years of the NFL career. If he's like 95% of what he used to be, who like Nick Chubb was the same thing. 95% of what he used to be in college. I think that Darius Geis has legitimate top 15 running back upside, but I don't think that's going to come out of the gates. And that's why I'm as RB three, I would almost treat him mm-hmm. like a rookie. Like don't expect yeah. him to take over until week or six or seven. Cause Adrian Peterson will still be in the mix to start the year. Yeah, absolutely. So like when it comes to just regular injury risk, then is it, do you not focus on that? Like too much? Is it more like, is it more a player by player base for you or like, or what is it? Cause like Evan Ingram is another guy. 
Like we talked about tight right. end. Evan Ingram's another guy that comes that his price right now maybe doesn't have a ton of the injury risk in it, but he's I mean, he's one of the first four or five tight ends off the board. Yeah, and I think that you have to look at it case by case, like you said, but also the type of injuries. So like Garrett Geis knee, that type of stuff. It, I'd rather have that than a soft tissue like Alshon Jeffrey. And I know Alshon Jeffrey at this point of his career, but you could say it about Alshon Jeffrey two years ago. Right. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, like, and, and that's why Evan Ingram is in that conversation. Evan Ingram starting to get into that, ah, do I want to mess with like this, you know, now it's a thigh, now it's a hamstring, now it's his calf, now it's the, like, it's always like injuries with his muscles. So I think it's a case by case. The the decent thing is depending on what your league is, is like I said, you you know, you see Evan Ingram four, five, six off the board in a lot of places. I see him fall into seven, eight, nine in some places. And not it's not consistent across the board, but that's where you risk the upside of winning cuts to that value. Like if you want mm-hmm. to take him at five, I would never do so because at this point, Evan Ingram's that kind of risk. Mm-hmm. But Geis's value is so great. Ingram, if he gets down to tight end eight, now the value is great. So it is a case by case. But I will say for those two type of guys, I'd rather have like ACLs and knees and stuff like that, which sounds crazy. But I'd rather have that than to have somebody battling a hamstring every single year. Yeah, because I mean, and if you think about it, I, obviously I'm no doctor, but I mean, ACLs, when they're repaired, majority of, I mean, when they're repaired, there's a lot of times where they're good and, and like you don't have to worry about it again. And I, I'm I know, a freaking athlete, but I tore my rotator cuff in high school pitching, <laughs> and it was only a partial tear, and I never had surgery. It still bothers me every once in a blue moon. And now, yep. like, you know, at my age, and like, yeah, it's just something that, like, those kind of injuries just stick with you. Yeah. Yeah. And no, no, that's fair. Um, I have a friend that just tore his labrum, and he's getting surgery, but he was out at Dave and Buster's last weekend throwing 90 <laughs> mile per hour pitches in this game and i could go i don't want to get into it uh, randy why don't you go ahead this is going to be one that it's a little bit controversial at least for us so why don't you go ahead apparently uh well i mean it's not we're the controversial ones uh, jake, jake goes along with consensus projections but uh we obviously know you're you're along with the tyler higby hype train if you can call it that i guess i mean uh we're more people that want to stay away from him where he's being drafted. I guess that's a good way to put it. Uh, with the, one of the major reasons is if Gerald Everett is healthy, that's going to be a big problem for him in our <sighs> eyes. Uh, Christian even believes he's a way better tight end. I just, I believe that's they're that's both. That's I believe opinion. That's not necessarily ours. I believe they're both <laughs> good tight ends that will take away from each other. That's kind of my problem. So what we wanted to go to you and see why were we wrong? So maybe, we can kind of adjust our takes or maybe it's just a little bit difference of opinion on certain things. Well, uh, first off the top, I want to say like Jake doesn't go with consensus. Uh, Jake <laughs> creates the consensus. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, no, so uh, joking aside, so I will say this. There's two factors coming into play here. Well, I actually guess three, but two of like opinions when it comes to Higby versus Everett. So one is I was more on Higby than Everett as a talent evaluation. Uh, for the people that don't know, like I do my rookies every single year coming out of college. I did 101 two years ago. I did, I think, 88 or somewhere around that this year. Uh, all skill positions, but I like Higby more than Everett. And I understand the athleticism of Everett. There's another thing that I heard while I was at the Combine from like whispers is that the team's not that enamored with Everett. Now, 
again, this is whispers. This is like, yeah, I'm not quoting sources and I'm not going to like, because I don't want to put anybody out there on blast. And two is like, you know, I don't know how reliable the sources are. This is just over here. You overhear people talking at the combine and you just kind of put those nuggets in your head. Like a year ago, it was the Damian Williams. Like they only signed him and really weren't looking at anybody else. Well, from the beginning of the season, that looked great until he couldn't stay healthy. So you just kind of hear these things. So those are the two. But the other thing is I will say is even if Everett is out there, I do think now, I don't think it's going to be their base set. I don't think 12 is going to be their base set. We're going to see Everett and Higby out there all the time. But I think that down towards the end of the year where you did see Everett out there before he got hurt, but when he was out there, they were running a lot more 12. The biggest concern I have is not even coming down to Higby. The biggest concern I have for this team is Cooper Cup because he started coming off the field and they started throwing Josh Reynolds out there. And Cooper Cup started playing around with a 60-70% snap share instead of 90% like he used to. And I think that if anybody's going to come off the field, it's Everett and Cup, never Higby because of what he brings in an all-around game. I think Everett struggles as a blocker, in my opinion. And I think Higby is better than the merit. So what I feel safe about this team is trying to predict who's going to be out there the most. And it comes down to Woods and Higby. And then it's trying to play the game is what is McVay going to do from week to week? Is he going to do Cup? Is he going to do Everett? Is he going to do Everett and Cup? Is he going to do Everett and Reynolds? Is he going to do Cup and Reynolds? So instead of trying to play that game with those three guys, just give me Woods and Higby and I'm staying away from the rest. Yeah, I am a huge, I mean, these these guys know Robert Woods. I am all aboard the Robert Woods train this year. I think he can finish as a wide receiver one. I'm, I'm pumped about it. Um, I, I think that's the trend from last year that I think is going to, at least for me, I think it's going to stick. So, and, and even I think if, to, to that point, even if Cup outscores him, it, it comes down to like what's Woods' cost versus Cup. It's less. And again, to go back to what I said, is like even if you know there is some type of predictability by weeks five or six or like whatever. What do we know as of today? We know Higby and Woods are staying on the field. Like right. as of t- now, if that clears up and they're running twelve, like sixty, seventy percent of the time, boost up Everett too. If yeah. they're not and they're running three wide and Cup's back to being ninety percent, well, Cup might probably outscore Robert Woods again. It just really right. comes down to what do we know as of today, and that's the risk you have to bake into your draft. Watch and the last thing, watching Robert Woods last year, I had him on a couple of teams. Just the fact that he never could even sniff the end zone. Literally, oh, drove he, and he never will. It, it drove me <laughs> up a wall. It was yeah. it was so bad. But all right, Christian, go ahead with uh, with the last one here. Yeah, well, one point I did want to make about the the Higby Everett talk is I think it's kind of gone unnoticed that they added Bryson Hopkins too, who I think yeah. compares pretty well to Gerald Everett. And so with Everett not having a contract, Higby having that extension. Um, I guess I can see where you're coming from with with Higby um, because I I assume that they mold Bryson Hopkins into whatever it is right now, right? I mean, you'd have to guess that in some capacity at least. Yeah, trying to read tea leaves there. Again, Everett's better athletic or athletically, uh, but, you know, whether or not that translates, I mean, how many times have we seen players, <laughs> despite being the most athletically gifted players in the world, you can always go back to Darrell Green Beckham and, like, did you hear yeah. the perfect yep. example? There's so many of them. And, again, I'm not saying that Everett can't, and I'm not even saying that there's a non-zero chance that Everett outscores Higby and is the better player. But as of today, you know, that, that's what I'm going to go with. And, of course, you know, <laughs> we get to week one of the season, we might change our tune altogether. Yeah, 100%. Honestly, the the biggest thing for us when it came down to this them being both on the field snap percentage, it seemed that Everett was getting more of the looks, and maybe that's just for the pass catching uh, upside and the athleticism. 
Uh, obviously, Higby's a better blocker, just like Reynolds is a better blocker than Cup. So it's all going to come down to how they actually come out this year, which we don't know because they have basically an entirely new running back system that they're going to try and use. So I don't know exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. But, I mean, that that's that why we're lower is because we're not 100% sure and we think it's going to be more of a split. And Jake, else. I want you to remember too. If, if that is, if that does happen, and Everett outscores Cup this year, remember or Everett outscores Higby. Remember the guys on the cut. Told, like, <laughs> right. I, yeah, I, right. I, right. Yeah. Remember that. <laughs> now, now you sound like the guys in the comments that like remember why one out of a hundred call. Right. All right. I had um, that one out vote in that YouTube comment. um so jake we know you're a video game guy uh we do listen to your podcast um i don't know how much you dabble into madden uh that's a good one um but the the madden ratings are out now and i i've got to say i i was fairly unimpressed with how they evaluated some of the players um what was the biggest surprise to you um, throughout the entire rating system, whether it's Derwin James being the seventh ranked safety or whatever he was, or um, my favorite, Matthew Stafford, being outside the top 15 quarterbacks. Well, Harrison um, Smith was the highest rated safety, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. So, what was the biggest surprise for you, Jake? And do you get on board with the hashtag fix Madden franchise movement that's <laughs> just going crazy right now? All right, so for the first one, it's Saquon Barkley at 91 with also, it's not even the 91, it's what's factored into the 91 is the vision rating that they gave. Like, it's funny that the vision rating is what it is because vision must be like the person watching him play must not know how to watch football because that's, it's, I do not know how you give, what was it, a 74, six, somewhere around there, like. I, whatever, but the, the fact that it started with a seven, like you're, you're an idiot. Like I, I don't understand how anybody involved in evaluating talent could look at Saquon Barkley and watch him play and then say, Oh yeah, his vision's like a 70 something. It's pretty good. It's not good. Well, it was, it was like, like what was it? 40 something overall for running backs or 60 something overall. It was something ridiculous it was so low like overall. That, yeah. For, yeah, yeah. So that was the most confounding one. And that was one of the, I, I rarely ever tag athletes. That was one of the few times I did. And I just put out a gif of it. Like I said, this must be Saquon laughing at his rating. And just because <laughs> I was kind of hoping he would say something, but he actually, another player said something about it. And he retweeted that one instead, of course. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, yeah, it's just that, that one just made me laugh. And that has nothing to do with the fact that I named my dog Barkley. It's just the fact that. <laughs> That's a solid name though. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's a play on words, and then yeah. it's Saquon Barkley on top of it. Like, how can you not love that? That's perfect. <laughs> uh, for the fixed Madden franchise, like, it's just you know, I would be a hashtag of is just fixed Madden. The end. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we don't need to limit it to franchise. Like, I I haven't played Madden. I would say in the last four or five years, outside of maybe like two or three games a year, because I'll like play. My buddies will get it. And I'll play like a game or two with them and I'll just be done with it because like, I was, you know what? This is the same damn Madden game from 2010. Like you have legitimately changed nothing except updating your rosters. Like, oh, rushing game is supposed to be better this year. Nope, it's not. It's the same old rushing game. It's every single year. Uh, the passing game is supposed to be a little bit more da- dynamic and receivers like, okay, like, so there's little tweaks here and there. It's like they're making these like minute one of a hundred tweaks when they need to be making these like 80. <laughs> like they, there's major overhauls and like, I think somebody tweeted, I was looking at through through the hashtag that you sent, and there was ones that were saying, like, it doesn't matter if you're a 99 or a 79, the players play the same. 
which is true. Like, yeah, it's so hard to tell the difference between a great player and an average player in Madden. And my biggest problem with it is like, okay, I was always big NCAA football fan. Like, I think that uh-huh. ended in what 2014 or 14, 14, 14 unfortunately, yeah, 14, 14, but 2013, yeah, yeah. uh, because they jump ahead, yeah, with the year, yeah, they're doing Madden 2020. Which, which, when did that start, by the way? Like, why are we still doing this? It is the weirdest thing in the world. The only thing that doesn't do that, like, MLB the show is obviously the year because baseball's all in one season, like, it's always the right. same. Year. Yeah. It's like MLB the show 20. I'm a huge MLB the show guy, but no, it's 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 weird. I agree. Yeah, see, like the NBA and the NHL. All right, I'll give you that. Half your season is actually more than half of your seasons into the next year. But football's over, except for the play. Like whatever. Any case, that's a sidebar. <laughs> uh, the the NCAA football one. Like I I love that because the recruiting. I spent. I probably I probably played like two or three season games. I spent the rest of my time doing the recruiting and the going to the class, like signing. Well, that was like that was the best thing, and like building your like. I guess, what did you say, your coaching tree or whatever it yeah. might be? Like, mm-hmm. that was amazing. And, you know, and NFL, the 2K series was pretty good at a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff. And then as soon as they went away, Madden was just like, oh, well, we'll just make the same game for the next 20 years. Yeah. And, <laughs> and how about just, the fact, sorry, Jake, how about the fact that, uh, I mean, I, I'm an Ohio State fan, you're a Notre Dame fan. Neither of our teams are in that face of the franchise for 21. Yeah, that's but bullshit. Michigan <laughs> State's in it, Nebraska. Oregon, Miami, Texas, USC. Like, they, there's no Alabama. There's no Ohio State. There's no Notre Dame. Like, whose idea is it to bring these teams in? How many of those teams have been relevant the past ten years? They're cheaper. No, I was I was waiting for UCLA to be in there or something. Oh, like yeah. that. <laughs> I actually used to run with UCLA. There was the what oh, was yeah. the other college the college football game that was like on PlayStation Two that was oh, by the same yeah. makers of the Game Day. You remember NFL yeah. Game Day because yeah, the L one yeah. and the L two juke buttons were the most ridiculous moves <laughs> in the history of football games. It was oh, just yeah. like there was nothing you could do about them. Yeah, when I get a chance, I still play NBA or, uh, College Hoops two K eight. That was like the last good college basketball game they had because oh, whatever awesome. whatever EA Sports did to the NCAA basketball games, I hope they never like <laughs> a single college basketball. Those games were garbage. But I'll go back and play College Hoops 2K8. Like, you started a small school as a coach, and you move your oh, way yeah. up. I'll still play that game to this yeah. day. My brother plays it all the time. Like, I don't know what they did, but, like, two, like College Hoops 2K8 and, and the EA Sports team were just in such big, different tiers. Oh, 100%. The college football game was so I, oh, I oh, always started at Toledo. I just I like I just like their the, the rocket like logo and everything like but yeah. yeah I always started at Toledo and built my way up from Toledo I don't know why I always picked Toledo but That's, it's, like, it's, it's good, just so much fun to build like at the baseball game yeah I, I, the, the, I, the show you're talking about I either play the creator player which or the road to the show. show yeah which is still the best of all sports games oh, it, of being your own creative player oh, and if I'm not doing that I'm spending all my time doing the GM mode. 100%. Yeah, I do. I'm a big Diamond Dynasty guy, so like it's like the Madden Ultimate Team. But the MLB the Show's Diamond Dynasty is a thousand times better than Madden Ultimate Team. You cannot tell me otherwise unless you play. Yeah. It. Don't give me that. <laughs> no, I mean, you know who created that mode was like the makers of like Pokemon and Yu Gi Oh and yeah. stuff like that. They're like, hey, you can play eight thousand games and open eight thousand packs to get the one player you've been waiting for for the last oh. twenty days. Well, and, and then- I was I I played Yu Gi Oh as a kid so i know that feeling of consistently opening the packs and not getting the blue eyes white dragon that you yeah oh yeah you had to to buy that box awesome i have 20 freaking like like jose iglesias yeah (laughs) good player 
It, that, it's, that's why I think that's why it's so fun, Jake. And that's why it's so addicting is because wow. when you get that one card, it's like, all right, maybe I'm going to get it again. I'm going to keep opening these packs. I think I'm going to get another one. That's why. The, yeah. You need to go watch that episode of South Park where they did the freemium games oh, in yeah. Canada. It's like, that's, 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 that's yeah. your, that's your mentality. You're getting the endorphins in your head. Yeah. We're like, Oh, I got the card. What is that? The, the Canadian devil. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Right. Yeah. Something like got that. it. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Honestly, the the worst problem with Madden and all these games is they keep taking away features instead of just adding on to them, and it just starts to ruin. But yeah. NCAA is still probably the best football game, and you were right to use Toledo. Toledo's cool, fun. Shout out Zach Rogers, uh, <laughs> former player. You know, uh, but Logan Woodside, Kareem, uh, Cody Thompson. We can go through. We know a few. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's well, there, and obviously MLB and like 2K are going to be better because you don't have to get 22 full people, 99 overall, to be good enough at the game. That's all you need is a yeah. few people to be good. Hey, MLB the show, you still need 25. It's you, you don't you need bring 20, 20, 30. 25 man roster, man. 30 and man roster. I don't, Randy, don't you argue with me about Diamond Dynasty. I, I will be, come back. I'll okay. be able to argue in about a week, man. It's on its way. It's on its way. <laughs> good stuff <laughs> all right uh do you guys have anything else for for jake before we no, let we bitched story? about madden for 10 minutes you got to <laughs> you gotta let it out me well me and christian played every year we like this last well we used to have an intense rivalry with all the sports games when we lived basically together and now mm-hmm. we have like a franchise against each other which christian loses that i was constantly. gonna say do they still have that where you can do multiple franchises online together? oh yeah 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 christian loves it he i think he's won one super bowl in 12 years against me it's great. Oh, so, yeah, that's that was actually whatever year they first implemented that. I think it's the last year I bought the game because oh. me and some of my friends played that, and I, they also got pissed off at me because uh, who I traded. I did some type. Of, so I did two trades. I trade. I didn't have the Giants, but I traded for Odell Beckham, and I finished. Odell Beckham finished with like twenty seven hundred yards and like thirty <laughs> touchdowns. Like oh, yeah. I just passed him the entire time. But I also traded a bunch of my like like. Not scrub scrubs, but a bunch. I had seven first round picks too. So oh, yeah. the next year, so they were really pissed off. At me. You're, you're speaking facts to Christian right now. That is, yeah. One <laughs> yeah. of you guys have Jonathan Taylor, and he's already had like. I have Jonathan Taylor. I also have Jamar Chase, and that's Christian hates him with a yeah. Passion. Najee Harris. Najee Harris is about to retire. That's how deep we are. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Yeah, Kyler Murray is about 96 X Factor now. He was 99 that first year. <laughs> getting bad yeah. yeah we're ready for 21 even though we'll hate it yeah yep oh my god absolutely <laughs> all right well jake again we really appreciate it man this was really fun um it was awesome talking football and and video games with you that we like it, this was this was really cool for us oh i appreciate it all right so that was our interview with jake it was awesome having him on um like I obviously you guys could tell that I kind of stumbled through the first part, but I kind of caught it. I I I, I got it going again. Um, I was just like having a presence like that on our show. Like to think about where we were like a year ago, just to this point, the fact that we've now interviewed Sigmund Bloom and Jake Seeley, like it's nuts. Like I I can't even fathom this. Sean, a year ago we weren't even in existence yet. So yes, I yeah, I would I agree with that sentiment. That's crazy. That's it, 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 it's my point. I know. Even when, like, even me. during the season, when we were just awkwardly talking to each other about the Monday recaps about what players did what, like, I, I to be honest, I didn't think we'd last more than like 
week six. We know. Yeah. You... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I lasted the entire season, dickheads. Yes. What stamina? <laughs> but yes. What was they... this, Randy? <laughs> I, I haven't Thank had you a break here, bro. Do you remember how fun it was to host these episodes when I wasn't here? No, I don't. Cause no, because Randy host. never fucking I, did I, it. I, I never <laughs> sat here since I, I was a host. I don't want to hear it. Uh, we we love you, Sean. We love you, Jake Seeley. Thank you for coming on. We don't we don't love you we in a weird you. way, though. We don't love Randy, and we pretty oh, much yeah. don't love Christian. Definitely don't love me, but we do oh, love yeah. Randy here. Oh, I'm sorry, FF Paul. Yeah, exactly. All right, All right. can I go so, to bed? Yeah. No, because you, we have to talk about Red Zone Draft Board. Yeah, Christian. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, Red Zone Draft Boards. Go hit them up. I'm pulling up their website right now, draftwithredzone.com. You can look at all of the fun things that they have in their draft pack. Um, it's it's one of the coolest things. Sean always uses Buffalo Wild Wings' shitty-ass draft board. And this I one there for six years, and I can get them for free. Okay, or you can spend money and use our uh, discount code for $5 off. Or $10. I don't actually remember, and no one's used it yet because you guys don't fucking listen to us. I think it's actually 10 well, But you get you get a draft board. You get all the stickers. You get a ring. You get, oh, you get this cool box for the ring. You, there's an I Suck at Fantasy football tag that the loser would have to wear during your draft. It is cool. Go get it. The NFL season is going to happen, and you're going to have live drafts because fuck COVID. And Yes, draftwithredzone.com. Use the coupon, the discount code in our description. Boom, motherfuckers. That You, you thought you that done? deserved a boom, motherfuckers? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I did. Yeah, you that was great. That. Randy, do you have anything to add? <laughs> no. <sighs> yeah, me neither. Let's, oh, Jesus Christ. Yes. Let's, oh, um, no, hold on. I, I apologize. Next episode of Listener League mock draft. If you're Hopefully. in it and you want to, you want to hear some strategy against us, maybe. If you want to pick up some more tips on a on a bigger league like that, it should be a good episode. We will hope. Fingers crossed that Brandon will be on with us because Brandon and I are co-owning that team. Very excited about that. Um, so and are that, we. And then keep an eye on this upcoming Saturday. We. It's a very good possibility that we will be having a impromptu live stream on Twitter or Instagram or something. We will actually all be together for the first time in probably two years. I cannot remember the last time all four of us were in the same room. Um, so that'll be fun. I have a, we have a draft that we're all going to be co-owning a team, even though it's kind of my team, um, that I'm in. It, it, I'm in a dra- it's an IDP draft with some big name people within the industry i'm very excited about it um and so we'll be tweeting out more details as it gets closer once we kind of figure out what we're going to be doing um if that's if we don't kill each other before the draft starts on saturday oh speaking of i get to slap the shit out of sean because of our slap bet with derrick henry randy got out of it because we had a bet for the nfl draft which you could have seen if our live stream worked the first night um but Sean unfortunately did not. We had another side bet, and Jordan Brooks, Jordan Brooks got picked before one Patrick Queen, and one so pick. I get to 
Yeah, I get to slap Sean. He's not even going to start with the Seahawks this year either. Like he's nope. going to be on the bench. What? No, nope. fuck it. You got to remember, Sean. Seahawks always overreach in the first round. That's how it works. Yeah, well, I figured that Patrick Queen, you know, would get drafted by the Saints, and the pick that made sense would be with the hometown team. Nope, Saints. You got to know they draft back to back centers each year. Oh, you got to know. Yeah, you got to know. You got to know. You got to know. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> if you would have been on, you would have known, man. You just, you were golf for a couple months there. No, yeah, but, yeah, yeah Saints should have drafted. Right, should have no, drafted a linebacker. There was absolutely no mock drafts anywhere that had Patrick Queen going over Jordan Brooks anywhere. I doubt that. That's my point, dummy. Put your I, hand down. Sean, put your hand. I, I definitely did. I did. I mean, All right, was after seeing after seeing like. <laughs> A few of the other people. It definitely, definitely happened. This yeah. episode, we're done. <laughs> Again, thanks, Jake. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, so stay tuned for the mock, our next draft. That'll be fun. And then we'll give you guys some more information for Saturday. So for Randy Hall, FF Baldman, I'm Sean Ward. We'll talk to you guys later. We gone!